thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink, thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own, into our house enter thou not, through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hi, Dan. I'm Lulu. Hello, Lulu. Oh, I tried to get you. <laughs> Dang it. You know my nickname. <laughs> uh, I, I want to address really quick, uh, last show, I'm sorry I got so tired. It, it, I feel fine. We're recording this the same day. I, I love it. Like last show yeah. that we recorded 10 mm-hmm. minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Last That's show. same outfit. He changed. He totally, he didn't tell me he was changing. Oh, man. So I'm just going to stay here wrapped up in my blankie. <laughs> I did put out new socks. You did. You did. I did. I did. But I, uh, we were talking about that just like, just something like random energy dips. And sometimes yeah. in this room, this show, like after I know with my stories, I'll have this like, okay, I didn't mess anything up too badly. Yeah. And it's almost like this wave of like relief. Well, yeah, because you do talk a lot and, mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm not yeah. being cruel, but you are mush mouthed. Like, you have it's, to focus to, pronu- uh, to pronunciate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a legitimate physical thing where it's like, I don't well, have. Well, you're tongue tied. Yeah, tongue tied. <laughs> and I have a career where I talk all the time. You have a tiny little mouth. Uh huh. I have to focus to really pronounce. But uh, Momo's the same way. Like mm-hmm. our daughter, same thing. She if she had a speech impediment, impediment for years and she's mostly out of it, but mm-hmm. when she's tired, it's funny. Mm-hmm. She starts to sound a little drunk. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, but, but, but it was fine. Yeah, it was okay, fine. Good. This, good, good, good. I thought the episode still felt great. I think that, like, honestly, for our fans that have been with us a long time or have come over from Time Suck or Is mm-hmm. We Dumb, it's like, that's the reality of our yeah. lives. It's like there was, like, a moment of our relationship <laughs> creeping through. And sure. if, if you are a patron and you listen to the bonus episodes, you've seen more of that. Like, we just kind of let yeah. you guys see the more reality. Mm-hmm. So, But we try to keep that out of the everyday show because it's like, this is a show about spoon. Spoopy, yep. scary stuff, and we try to stay focused on that. Yeah. But I'm glad you addressed it. Yeah, it's like escapist, tutorial. Yeah, we know that. And we want to stay focused on that. But also, just, uh, yeah, this is thing, too, where behind the scenes, we just know that the next, like, three months are going to be the busiest months, possibly, of our lives. Just with, like, so many parenting things on top of a lot of production. On top of production, on top mm-hmm. of touring, yeah. which, like, I'm so excited for mm-hmm. anybody who's in the PNW, close to Spokane. When you hear this episode, we'll yeah. be leading into your shows in Spokane. Oh, yeah. That's so right. it'll be fun. I'll mm-hmm. be there. All the shows. Yeah. All the things. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. We never talk about stand-up here. I know. We never talk about stand-up here, but I am having a blast. And it's yeah. and it's nice. As busy as we are, we're we we're also are very organized. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the energy thing too is like I've been rearranging my diet specifically just to have more energy as well, too, mm-hmm. and be healthier. And so, which is great. 90, 90% of the time, I actually feel way better. Yeah. But then I'll have a little like, I'm hungry. I know. <laughs> like energy, I know. energy dips. Yeah. Uh, and you're very sensitive that way. Mm-hmm. Your blood sugar, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, stand-up has been so much fun and new materials coming together. And I'm just having fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys ever want to see Dan on the road, you could find it. Uh, this is just mm-hmm. organically coming up. So yeah. I'm glad we're talking about it. But um, on dancummins.tv yeah. or uh, like any of the podcast websites, we'll link you over. There's tour mm-hmm. dates. And obviously, it's not scary right but it is still escapism and it's sometimes i go on the road with him too and it's fun to watch people come out and mostly what i want from all of you is for people to go to the show and then just chant my name ah nice yeah i think like Uh instead of it being like dan or like colts you know that's my favorite colt 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 Colt, 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 yeah which from time suck 
but it would just be so much more fun if people were like, Lindsay, Lindsay, Lindsay. Yeah. And then you came out and they went, Whoa. boo. Boo, get out of here. That'd be great energy to start a show. Sure, it'd be so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you're a new scared to death, yeah, you can, yeah. You, you can go to uh, a good primer is Amazon Prime. There's the Get Out of Here Devil, my last special, oh, which yeah. is the most oh. recent to what I'm doing now. Yeah. And you can be like, like it or no thanks. No thanks. You can just come know. back here and pretend like he doesn't do that. Yep. And then just block it. Yeah. So sorry for the long intro. <laughs> That's also if you're new, our yeah. shows don't normally start this way. This is abnormal. Absolutely. So uh, let's get into it. What do you got? Over there. Talk uh, real, to me about announcements. Real quick, uh, badmagicmerch.com. It's just the same uh, announcement oh, yeah. of last week. And I have the limited edition blanket. Okay, great. Yeah, we just have the uh, the collection for the first annual Scared to Death Live Haunted Halloween True Tales of Hallow's Eve Horror still in the store until November 1st. And still can buy tickets for the Thursday, October 28th, 6 p.m. Pacific time, you know, Moment House Digital Experience Show, where mm-hmm. we'll tell Halloween tales that we won't tell here and then won't be available anywhere else. Right. And you can um, rewatch it afterwards yep. up through, including all day on Halloween. Mm-hmm. At badmagicmerch.com, there's tickets. Uh, we went over the Patreon donation last month for October. Uh, we'll know next week exactly how much we're donating to Rain R-A-I-N-N, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, America's largest anti-sexual violence organization. They have a 24-hour hotline, 800-656-HOPE. They have a 24-hour live chat you can access through their website. And you can go to rain.org, two ends, to learn more. There's so many good things they do. Yay. Good job. How many stories do you have today, Lulu? I have two, Danny Doodoo. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> <laughs> sweet so wait you are doo-doo uh yeah i have one that's like a lifetime haunting that is still happening to this day okay so i was really into that it starts in a particular house like it almost feels like you could pinpoint mm-hmm. where it began and then i have a second not as long but definitely like somebody in a house definitely seeing something and having a reaction that i absolutely would not have okay so i'm very interested in this person I have three stories this week, all, oh. all smaller stories. Okay. Uh, up first, I'll take you to Vermont to explore the story of an old curse, the Hayden family curse. Uh-huh. Did a dying woman really curse her own family? Next, we will head to Malaysia to learn about the Orang uh, Manyak, a.k.a. the Oily Man. Okay. I'm this glad is, there's an English version of that because I was not going to get that. This is an unusual one. What is the Oily Man? A demon, a monster, a regular man in disguise. Very unusual story. Uh, very creepy creature. And then finally, we'll head to Oklahoma City to explore what seems to be the definitely haunted Skirvin Hotel. So many people have claimed to see and hear spirits here, including a bunch of NBA professional basketball players. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah, so Big there's tough guys. a lot of recognizable names in that one. Okay, cool. Also, I just want to say, <clears throat> my first story is also in Vermont. Oh, okay, cool. So fun. I really want to go to Vermont. Yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Anybody watch a scandal, they, they would know. <laughs> you ready to head there? I'm ready. Let's go. <clears throat> okay, 1910, on a crisp fall Vermont afternoon, a horse-drawn hearse carries the final remains of William Henry Hayden, last in the male line of his family, along the South Albany Road to the village cemetery. Curtains were drawn across the Hayden family mansion's windows in tribute, even though the extravagantly furnished house had remained without a tenant for nearly 20 years now. Locals seeing the hearse pass by whispered about an old legend. They told each other that William Hayden hadn't died of natural causes or whatever the family was reporting in order to save face. They knew that it was the words of one woman that had come to bear horrible fruit, the curse that Mercy Dale had placed three generations back. Time now for the tale of the Hayden family curse. William Henry Hayden Sr. had once been a man of enormous appetites, not only for food and drink, but for clothes, furniture, everything. He wanted the best. He loved to spend money, lots of it, and his choice for a wife came across to many as a calculated move to ensure he had access to her family's fortune. 
1789, William married Silence Dale, the daughter of a woman named Mercy Dale, who was a wealthy heiress. A dozen years later, in 1801, Mercy moved in with her daughter and son-in-law. Mercy helped William a great deal financially, and he initially prospered with her help. He built a spinning and weaving mill and served as a militia captain and selectman. He became the town's highway surveyor, and in exchange for his services, he received payment and land. He became an esteemed member of the community, and uh, he continually lived a lifestyle he couldn't actually afford. And eventually, it caught up with him. In 1823, he found himself in serious financial trouble. He was deeply in debt, and Mercy had finally decided to cut him off from her family's wealth. He continually had promised to repay her whatever she had loaned him over the years, but as the years went by, Mercy never saw a penny of the money he owed her. He just took and took, constantly presenting himself to others as some kind of self-made man of means, when in reality he was a pretender, he was a man of someone else's means, Mercy's means. And now Mercy was done helping him pretend. Then, probably not coincidentally, in the weeks after her declaration that she was cutting him off, Mercy fell mysteriously very ill. And as she now lay on her deathbed, she thought she knew why. She believed that William had poisoned her, that he was getting her out of the way once and for all so that she could never deny him access to her family's wealth that would be, in her will, soon falling to her daughter and thus to him as well. Mercy knew the end was near. As her daughter Silence sat at Mercy's deathbed, Mercy placed a curse on her own descendants. The Hayden name shall die in the third generation, and the last to bear the name shall die in poverty, she supposedly said. And then not long after placing this curse, she died. And her body was interred in the Rogers family cemetery amongst her ancestors. Mercy had made it clear at the end that she did not wish to be buried in the Hayden family plot as she had once wished. For a long time following her suspicious demise, it seemed as though the Hayden curse was nothing more than the angry words of a bitter old woman said on her deathbed. And William and Silence soon thought less and less about Mercy's prediction. Their children continued to be healthy and happy. Both of their daughters married off and went and had healthy children of their own. William and Silence's son, also named William, uh, known as Will, embarked on a successful career as a contractor. He had a job building sections of a new railroad line stretching from Nashua, New Hampshire to Quebec, Ontario. He built hundreds of miles of more, more railroad track as far away as Michigan, and the lucrative work turned Will into a very wealthy man. In the early 1850s, Will and his wife, Azuba, decided to really make their mark in the town of Albany, Vermont. He swore he would build a grand mansion to show people in Albany what lots of money could do. And indeed, he did. He was just as flashy as his father. The new Hayden family mansion was an ornate Greek revival structure. It featured marble fireplaces that disguised a modern central heating system. The house's dining room could seat 30. The entire third floor was a ballroom. Its floor specially constructed with an 18-inch gap underneath so that it could withstand large crowds without damaging the ceiling below. Like his father, Will lived a life of luxury. He and Azuba took rides in custom-made carriages, servants waited on family members, and every year a New Year's Eve party was held in the third-floor ballroom, with guests traveling from far and wide to enjoy a slice of Will Hayden's lavish lifestyle. Mercy's curse had now been all but completely forgotten about, but that would soon change. Over the next decades, the members of the Hayden family began to die off, some suddenly and unexpectedly in their youth, others succumbing to old age. First Will died, then Azuba followed in 1892. A family fight then broke out over who controlled the fortune. Another William, who went by Henry, Will's son, was accused of burning papers that showed how the Hayden fortune was supposed to be divided and conspiring with the brother-in-law to swindle other relatives. Some even believed that Henry had stolen the fortune and hidden it. But there wasn't much fortune left to be stolen. A remarkably small amount of money remained, and Henry apparently frittered that away in a lavish lifestyle that ended in poverty years before his death in 1910. 
By the time he died, enough other family members had also died that now the only remaining member of the family was his daughter, Armenia, and she was flat broke. All that was left of Armenia's inheritance was an unsavory family reputation and a number of unpaid debts. Due to illness and humiliation, she decided to live out her final days in Waterville, Maine, where she died alone, in poverty, February 20th, 1927. She was the last member of the third generation of the Hayden family, and she died in poverty just as Mercy Dale had once predicted. Some think that her death did not bring an end to the family curse. They believe that anyone who lives in or near the lavish mansion that Mercy's money built uh, will suffer. After the Haydens died out, a Canadian family purchased the mansion and the land around it in 1915 for 25000 The new owners were bootleggers, using an elaborate network of tunnels below to smuggle alcohol down from Canada into the States. But then just seven years later, in 1922, under circumstances that have never been truly explained, the Canadians sold the property abruptly and left. The rumor is that spirits haunting the mansion scared them away. And that pattern would repeat. Over the years, each successive owner found the mansion too difficult, too expensive to maintain in the grand style it was accustomed to, and perhaps too haunted to keep living there. Eventually, the estate was sold off piece by piece, and most of the new owners suffered tragedies. Unexpected deaths, structure fires, financial problems. Soon, the mansion fell into disrepair. For many years, the mansion remained completely abandoned and was open inside to anyone passing by. Some who entered claimed to hear violin music resonating from the old third-story ballroom. One woman named Helen, who grew up in the Hayden house in the 50s, 1950s, be, uh, beginning when she was 11, would later recall that there were a lot of fires at the property that seemingly started on their own. She says she once saw a fire start in the roof of an outbuilding that started spontaneously while no one was in the area. She also recalls when the L, an added wing of the mansion, and a carriage barn both burned down. No one could ever determine a reason for the fires. She believes the property is haunted. She says, my mother saw a ghost at least twice. The first time, she noticed a man sitting in the living room dressed in Lincoln period clothes with a hat similar to what Abraham Lincoln wore. She didn't believe what she was seeing, tried to ignore it, but she had a little boy visiting at the time and the boy saw the man too. He called it Piper, meaning grandfather in French, and approached it. And when he did, the apparition stood up, walked down the hall, and then vanished. Another time, my mother heard old-style ballroom music. It seemed to be coming from the dance hall in the upper portion of the house sort of like an old-fashioned waltz. Curious as to where the music was coming from, she walked to the top of the stairs, and then the music just stopped and went away. To this day, people still claim to hear the music on certain nights and to see strange shadows passing by windows and peeking out from behind curtains. Maybe sometimes they're seeing the spirit of Mercy Dale, enjoying the mansion that her money would eventually make possible, enjoying knowing in death that her curse, placed in the final days of her life, was fulfilled. I'm going to curse you. You're going to curse me? Well... Why? If you're naughty, you love to spend money. I love to spend money. You're extravagant. You're over the top. You like flashy things. Oh, I felt like man. this was sort of a really? cautionary tale for you. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Dan's so conservative. <laughs> I know. I was picturing anybody who's um, like watches show. They're like, yeah, he wears t-shirts <laughs> and usually he, you guys his own t-shirts. <laughs> I know. It's like the ones that he gets from his own store at a discounted rate. I would love it if, like, uh, next week you just start wearing, like, nothing but plain black T-shirts, mm-hmm. and then the fans come to find out that they're, like, $600 cashmere oh, short-sleeve nice. T-shirts. Cashmere T-shirts, is that a thing? Yeah, it's like a cashmere blend. It's, like, a very, like, light, like, a cashmere, uh, mm. well, I guess it would be a linen. It would be, like, a short-sleeve cashmere sweater. Can I wear, like, a cashmere jumpsuit, like a tracksuit? Is there such a thing as a cashmere tracksuit? Sure, of course. Nice. Do you know how expensive that would be? What if I wore a cashmere tracksuit and then I had like a medallion, like a necklace, but with yeah. like a just a big diamond at the end of it? How big? 
Uh, five, five, okay, five hundred carats. <laughs> okay, that's insane. <laughs> ten carats. Okay, ten carats. So uh, you're okay, ten carats, and if it like meets. No, diamonds can't be bigger. They're they're too expensive. I, okay, just a big lot, like a gold nugget. Oh, what well, if I just had a giant gold nugget at the end of it? That's more weird, almost. Mm. Mm, but still expensive. <laughs> the cost of gold has really gone up. Has it really? Mm-hmm. Mm. Like all things. Yeah. Steel, because like the the labor to get oh, it. Yeah. You know, and affected the mining too. Yeah, and you know it's in countries that are more affected in different mm-hmm. ways. It's, that makes sense. Yeah, it's all very interesting. Anyways. Uh, oh, great sorry. story. Okay, okay. Great, yeah, yeah, something I, different. Yeah, I like that. And I, I, I was trying to rationalize it in my head, like, oh, okay, well, like the bootleggers could have just up and left because yeah. Yeah. they're Cock. bootleggers. True, you know. True. But um, I don't know. I wonder if, like, when you curse a family like that, like, was it really a curse, or is it, um, like, when someone speaks something into existence that mm. you is kind of always lingering, and then if you're not actively trying to not have it happen. Maybe it became some kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. That's, those are the words I was looking for. Like, like maybe the third generation is like like it was in their head and they're just exactly. like, well, we're going to lose it all anyway, so let's blow it. Exactly. And then because of that, they lose it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We could mm-hmm. go live there mm-hmm. and see if this all falls apart or not. Oh. Just randomly just put it to the test? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, I said I wanted to go to Vermont. <laughs> yeah, Could true. you imagine? True. If we're like, okay, guys, oh we're God. doing it. And then we get there and it actually falls apart. Three months later, this is all done. <gasps> Uh, first pick, final resting place for the Hayden family, their burial plot. I just love those cool old cemeteries. I was just going to say that I love old cemeteries. I think I should be buried in New Orleans. Ooh, yeah. Mm. Uh, this next one, 19th century photo of members of the Hayden family in Albany. That is a weird photo. I know. Up on these old pillars. Yeah, yeah it, it feels... is a weird. And just because of, I mean, because it's old and the sepia tones at the bottom, it almost yeah. looks like the guy in the middle doesn't have legs. Like he mm-hmm. kind of starts to blend in and is floating. Mm-hmm. Oh man, if you photoshopped those pillars out, you just have like floating children. <laughs> it could be a very strange, creepy photo. This next one is Hayden Mansion sometime in the mid 1900s. Okay. And then this is what remains of the mansion today. You know, it's been like I'm sold off, excited. sold off. Now, now it's not really much of a mansion. It's just like a little, little house, oh. the main house, but like the L's gone. I think it's, there were some fires and things. What was that season of? Oh my god! Oh my god! Um, there's like a, a famous haunting up in the northwest, and I want to say not northwest, northeast, and um, Amityville. The Amityville house is the most famous. No, but um, but there was a season of American Horror Story, and like it, it just oh that house reminded me of it. Like the locusts take it over, and I think you did an episode of Times so like uh, oh god, I did an episode it? on Amityville on that house. No, it was something else. Hmm. Oh, oh. I, I don't know. Okay, I'll remember later. Oh man, it's gonna drive me nuts. <laughs> All right, I, f- I found that first story more in- more interesting than creepy. This next story, I think, is definitely a lot creepier. Okay, very odd. I okay. will say this is just a weird, weird story. Um, but I like this. It's just different. Okay, no setup on this one. Time now for the tale of the oily man. What is Malaysia's oily man? There are a couple of different theories. Some believe that the Orang Manyak, uh, Malaysian four oily, man, four oily man, is a warlock or shaman, medicine man, etc., who coats himself with grease as dark as his soul, which helps him along with dark magic to attack women and then evade capture as he slides out of pursuers' grasp. Yeah, he only focuses on women. It's super creepy. Some think the oily man is a demon of sorts, the warped soul of a witch doctor who took his dark experiments too far. Still, others believe the oily man is not a human uh, or the soul of a former human. They think it's like a cryptid, a Bigfoot-like creature that wanders the region. According to Michael Newton in his Encyclopedia of Cryptozoology, 
a global guide. The orang manyak is an aggressive unknown hominid or primate reported from peninsular Malaysia. Natives of the region claim that this large hairy biped attacks rural villages by night and carries off young women. Whatever various people think it is, they all seem to agree on what it wants, young women, preferably, uh, but not always virgins. And what it wants to do with these women is agreed upon as well. It wants to rape them. Oh. Like an incubus, sexual attacks are its calling card. Over the years, reports have come in of oily men having different looks, some tall, some short, some with red, yellow, or golden colored eyes. Why do Malaysians think all of these different looking creatures are the orang manyak? They all share one distinguishing physical characteristic. The body of the creature is almost completely covered with dark, slippery oil that seems to seep out from inside of this monster. The oil doesn't drip. Uh, it simply sits there, reeking of death and rot, waiting for the oily man to smear himself against his chosen victim. The strange, horrible creature has allegedly been spotted far more than I expected. Many a Malaysian woman has claimed to have gone to bed only to later wake up to a dark, slimy creature hovering above them in the darkness. Oh. Or she slept through the night only to go out in the morning and be met with horrified screams by her family members who see oil streaked across her face and body. How would the woman not know the oily man had attacked her? It's theorized that the oily man has the ability to induce paralysis on some sort of psychic level, freezing their victims while they sleep again like a demonic incubus. And they can supposedly mute their victims' voices while they're awake for the duration of the assault before slipping away, leaving only a smear of oil and a terrified woman in their wake. Some Malaysian women take precautions before going to bed to avoid being attacked by the oily man. While sleeping, they leave a pile of unwashed male clothing close to the bed, which somehow makes an effective barrier. The oily man is apparently afraid of other men. Some single women even wear male clothing during, the sleep, during sleep to prevent the oily man from coming for them. Some also take supernatural measures to defend themselves. They'll hire a Malay spirit medium that locals call a boma, who may be able to prevent attacks through his special brand of magic. Alternatively, and very strangely, the victim can bite her own thumb and cover it in a special cloth one can buy that contains some sort of magic spell called a batik. As completely insane as all this may sound, there are so many encounter stories, and recent ones as well. Just a few years back, there were reports that an oily man had been spotted near one of Malaysian's, uh, you know, or one Malaysian man's village. He didn't believe the stories, dismissed them as silly superstitions, took no precautions, no boma, no batik. And one night he went out with uh, some of his family and left his 17-year-old daughter alone in the house. She woke up when she heard a strange noise outside shortly after her father left. When she peeked out the window, she saw a black figure sitting on the wall with his back facing her. The girl immediately called her father, told him what she'd seen. He rushed home, found his keys did not work in the locks, which had never happened before, had to break down his own front door to get inside. The man rushed into his daughter's bedroom, allegedly found a black oily heap of a mannish creature crouching underneath a table in her room, stabbed at it with a bamboo stick. It fled from the room. He said the oily man darted away, disappeared into the bushes, and as it disappeared out of view, he noticed how it moved in a very inhuman way, like a spider with two legs. No human move like that, he thought. He'd never seen anything like it before. Then after the first encounter for the next five days, he kept seeing it. He made sure not to leave his daughter alone again. He'd see the figure lurking in the corner of his vision, around a corner, on a high up roof, peeking at him from under a car. He reported all this to the police, told them he found black footprints outside his house, but with only footprints and, you know, his crazy sounding testimony, wasn't much the officers could do to help. He worried so much about this oily man that it would never leave his daughter alone now that it knew where she lived. He moved his whole family to a different village and did that the following week. Another young Malaysian woman told the story of her horrifying encounter with the oily man. She posted on a Malaysian paranormal forum. 
This happened to me a few months ago when I was working as a waitress. One night, I had to work extra late and was exhausted by the time I finished, so I took a cab home. It was after midnight by the time I got to my apartment building and there was a man getting into the elevator. I stepped in behind him without noticing anything out of the ordinary, pressed the button for my floor. A few seconds later, the lift arrived at its destination. I was walking out when the man grabbed me by the arm, held me back. I was shocked, tried to pull away from him. He was too strong. Suddenly, I heard him say something, but it wasn't as though he was speaking. It was as though he was transmitting the words directly into my brain. Look at me. I turned around, looked at him. His face was black, oily, his eyes red. After that, I was so afraid I must have passed out. When I woke up, I was inside my house, my mom hovering above me. I asked my mom what had happened. She told me that our neighbor was coming home from work, found me lying on the floor in front of the elevator. Oh, my God. I was half naked. Only my blouse was on, and I had smudges of a dark grease-like substance all over me. After hearing that, I cried. I knew that I'd been attacked by an orang manyak. My mom took me down to the police station to make a report, but the police did not believe me. Ever since then, I spent a couple days every week going around to all the young women who live in my neighborhood just to check on them, tell them not to go out alone at night. Lately, I haven't been able to find some of them. No one will tell me where they've gone. They assume the girls have just moved away or that uh, the younger women are runaways. But I know the truth. The oily man is out there and he got them. In 2012, residents of a village in uh, Selangor, Malaysia, supposedly terrorized by not just one but two oily men, the Malaysian newspaper, The Star, reported that since just before Christmas, villagers have begun telling of numerous sightings of these creatures. Over the holidays, the paper reported that some 200 people had patrolled the village streets looking for oily men, many of them brandishing machetes and axes in an attempt to protect the local women. One resident, a 33-year-old named Aslam Khan, said he saw both the oily men. He described one to be tall, stocky, and bald, the other to be thin and curly-haired. It was breathing really loudly, like a cow, Aslam said, remembering how he'd seen the bald, oily man behind the water tank of a house in the early hours of the morning. When he shone his light on it, the thing stuck out its head, looked back at him. Then before he could do anything else, it climbed up on the roof and disappeared. Residents vowed to continue their nightly patrols until the two creatures were caught. They kept up the patrols for months, but no oily man was captured. In 2016, there were multiple sightings in a few villages, also around Christmas. One eyewitness allegedly saw it crawling up the stairs of the house like Spider-Man. When it reached the top, it suddenly jumped onto the roof. I don't think a human could do that. It then just disappeared. We can laugh and joke about it, but this is serious. All the families here have young girls. That same year, a woman claimed she was assaulted by an oily man at a petrol station bathroom. Another paper, Harrion Metro, reported. She said, I was in one of the stalls when I heard the door to the main toilet entrance open and then close. I had a bad feeling, decided to leave when I saw that man, she told reporters. She said the dark and oily man tried to push her back into the cubicle. She fought back, ran out of the toilet, shouting for help. Could this strange monster possibly be real? Is it just human men dressing up like a mythical monster in an attempt to get away with rape? Or is there an actual monster in Malaysia? What a terrifying possibility, and one that many seem to believe is all too real. That was my thought, like just dudes pretending to be this creature yeah, I know I'm, that's why I had that thought too I had like an unfortunate thought of like what if the creature is real but then you have oh, copycats imposters oh yeah. sure sure I it mean, could be both because that's a thing obviously that happens with you know famous murderers and then yep. there's copycats yep. and then who's going to claim the the kill or the oh conquest or whatever that's so, a great I mean, thought it could be a combo really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely oh, that poor girl and that, <sighs> that elevator thing that you yeah. said just like having been a person who a lived alone and b like survived a, a sexual assault it's yeah. like that is something that as i don't i doubt that dudes ever really feel this way but 
like I lived in apartment buildings where I had to walk down a hallway, like I had to park my car in a parking garage and get yeah. in an elevator to go up to the to my you know floor. And you're always just a little like, oh God, like you. I would call like with the time difference between where I lived and where my family lived. I'd be like, hey right. mom, it's really late where I am. Like I'm, you know, I'm getting home from work at three a.m. because of fucking production. Yeah, and she'd be like, okay, I'm up. Like yeah. I just always had a a feeling, even though I lived in secure buildings. I mean, mm-hmm. all it's. I don't know. Uh, Elevators, yeah. dark hallways, that 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 time in your life, especially when you're like generally young and mm-hmm. single and I don't know, it that like struck me in such a way of like, oh god, that girl. Mhm. That's all too real. Spooks me about like when you're out alone or like, you know, yeah. when Rogue gets older. No, just because of stats and everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh man. And what a fucking awful thing to like prey on people that like a culture that has this belief mm-hmm. it's like they already know that mm-hmm. that's a um a fear a folklore. Folklore, yeah, yeah. uh this first picture is a still from an old 1956 malaysian horror mov- movie called the curse of the oily man okay uh just to get a kind of an idea of what they think it looks like this next one is still from a 2012 malaysian horror movie called orang manyak so you know oily man oh okay that's not quite what i was envisioning and then this last one just an artist depiction of the orang manyak you know, uh, shows up on a few sites. That's what I was thinking. More like that, maybe even a little less human. Mm-hmm. We've seen depictions before that are uh, humanoid, mm-hmm. more less human, more humanoid, like no ears, oh, maybe just a head, not such defined facial features, but definitely yeah. the red eyes. Like yeah. I'm picturing of one in particular with sort of like spindly fingers. Mm. But goddamn, if I wake up and that, no thanks. Yeah. Uh, no. Terrifying terrifying do you have more oily man questions or no that wanna... that was my thing like oh oh actually i did think it was interesting that the men in some of the villages were like getting machetes and prepared to try and scare yeah. this thing away or, or harm this yeah, thing uh-huh. but i was thinking that if it's a spirit well the, the the theories are all over the place like yeah. something it's like a, basically like a like a witch like an evil witch doctor right but then but if it's but if it's an evil witch doctor like has it come back from the Dead? No, they think it would be like a living person who just did too much dark magic and kind of like transformed. Kind I of see. like in, um, in uh, you know, American Indian folklore, the, um, oh my God, the skinwalker. Oh, oh. How a skinwalker can be like a, a person that just transforms into a monster because of deeds they're doing in this life. But, okay. But they don't have to die first. Yeah, because my note was like, would a machete even work against a spirit? But I see, I was mm-hmm. misunderstanding. Also, I'm just sitting over here trying to remember what this... Maybe it wasn't a TV show. It might have been a movie. And there's a house in the middle of nowhere. And a bunch of people go and stay in it. It's, maybe it's like a challenge or something. But it's mm-hmm. like a famously haunted house. And I can... Oh, I can like... Oh, Joe, if you want to do some Googling. I, I know I've given <laughs> know, you a lot of yeah, great I tips. I but, tried. Based <laughs> off these tips, I couldn't get it. Uh, I'm still I trying. Know. I know it's. I can't I, think of it. I want to like, and then like people try and like leave the house. Maybe there's like a, a mother and a daughter, and like a lot of people die in the house. Is it a contest? Ah, I want to say mm. that on Time Suck, you made up some like joke about it. Oh man! And so then it was like, but it was in an actual episode you huh. did, and then I really do want to say that the house was overcome with like locusts or something. Well, there was one that was overcome with flies. But that was the Amityville house. It was? Yes. I, I, I do think you're thinking of that house. Hmm. But it wasn't like all family that stayed there. Mm. Hmm. I don't know. 
People are going to listen to this episode and be like, I know what she's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like, where are you when I need you, people? <laughs> and yeah, and then it probably, probably won't be Amityville. I'm like, oh, yeah, that one. Somewhere. I know. Some, it's going to come to me. too many shows now. It's going to come to me. Uh, you want to head to Oklahoma City now? Hear one last story? Okay, see. Before we look into some ghosts, uh, a surprising amount of basketball players have randomly st- seemingly encountered. Let's take a quick sponsor break. Thanks for listening. Creeps and peepers. Decent amount of historical setup for this uh, old Oklahoma City landmark. And this is an interesting story where there's just so many recognizable names. Cool. Especially for sports fans. Uh, built in 1911, the Skirvin is Oklahoma City's oldest hotel. And from what I can tell, probably its most haunted. During the urban renewal era of the 40s and 50s, the city's government tore down hundreds of buildings in an effort to create a city that would match the look of the next century. The Skirvin, one of the very few to remain standing, becoming one of the most historic buildings left in downtown. Built in 1910, opened to the public in 1911, the Skirvin Hotel was named after its owner, uh, an oil man named William Balser, W.B. Skirvin. Uh, originally, Skirvin was supposed to be uh, – he was supposed to be a passive o- owner, and he had a partner, Fred Sherbel, who was set to run the place, but then Sherbel was found shot to death under suspicious circumstances. Aye, aye, aye. And then, for better or for worse, local authorities seemed to have brushed the investigation of his death aside – some whispered that Skirvin had killed him so he could turn the Skirvin into exactly what he wanted. In a city that embraced prohibition and traditional conservative moral values, Skirvin was quick to put money in a good time before any sort of morals, and his hotel became the place to go if you wanted to be somewhere where liquor never stopped flowing, there was always a card game to try and win some money on, and plenty of so-called loose women Woo-hoo! you could pay to keep you company. I like this place. (laughs) Opened officially on September 26, 1911, the Plush Hotel had two 10-story towers containing 244 rooms. It was one of the first buildings in the city to have air conditioning. There was running water in each room, a ballroom that seated 500 people, and several imported Austrian chandeliers that cost more than $100,000 each. Uh, the lobby was decorated in English Gothic. Wings of the hotel had uh, contained stuff like a drugstore, retail shops, a cafe. In 1930, a third wing was added, raising the structure to 14 stories, increasing capacity to 525 rooms. Sometime around 1930, Skirvin is rumored to have had uh, – the, uh, the founder rumored to have had an affair with a young hotel maid who seems to have also worked as an escort. The woman got pregnant, and in order to prevent a scandal, Skirvin arranged for her to be kept in a room on the top floor of the hotel, top floor at that time. What once seemed luxurious now had the trappings of a prison. She suddenly was almost never allowed out, not even after the birth of her child. There were both shameful secrets to remain hidden. Then one day, Skirvin's secrets are rumored to have left the room and hotel in a very dramatic and tragic fashion. Half out of her mind, Skirvin's mistress grabbed her baby and then while still holding her, threw herself out of a window and they quickly fell to their deaths. Shortly thereafter, rumors of the hauntings began. Time now for the tale of the ghosts of Skirvin. Various guests have reported for years that they've woken in the night to the sounds of a young child crying, a child thought to be the ghost of the young maid's baby. And the spirit of her mother has been heard as well and witnessed. She's been heard and seen frequently enough for the hotel staff to have given her a nickname, Effie. (laughs) Apparently, Effie's ghost seeks the same love and validation that may have pressured her to have an affair with Skirvin when she was alive. Many men who have stayed in the hotel over the years have reported being propositioned by a disembodied female voice while alone in their rooms. Oh, my God. Others have also not just heard her, but seen her, and some have claimed to even felt her touch. Men have claimed to have witnessed the figure of a naked woman suddenly appear with them while taking a shower. Or when they look up from the sink, they see something pass behind them in the mirror and smell the faint traces of perfume in the air. Some claim to feel her spectral hands touching them, caressing them in bed. Effie's spirit and the spirit of her child may not be the only ones who've lingered in the hotel. 
The Skirvin Hotel was shut down in 1988, would remain closed for the next two decades. In the early 90s, the entire power box was pulled so there would no be no longer be a danger of fire. No power would go into the building at all for the next 15 years, but numerous people who went into the building reported that one light bulb was always on, right over the chair where W.B. Skirvin used to sit. The ghost of W.B.? Now let's talk about these basketball players. Today, after opening back up in 2007, following a $54 million renovation, wow. the Skirvin considered to be the nicest hotel in downtown Oklahoma City, and it's a common sight to see the bus of visiting NBA teams in town to play the Thunder park out front on Broadway. Common for players also to refuse to stay there. <laughs> Former Knicks center Eddie Curry once got so spooked at the Skirvin, he chose to never stay there again. He had a room on the 10th floor where Effie the Maid and her baby are said to be the most active. And after hearing things he couldn't explain and then seeing some sort of apparition, he was so frightened he ended up spending the rest of the night in teammate Nate Robinson's room. Oh, my God. Curry doesn't come across like someone easily scared. He's seven foot tall, roughly 300 pounds. And yet something he saw one night at Skirvin scared him so badly he had to get out. Likewise, current Knicks point guard Derek Rose also doesn't come across as someone easily frightened. He grew up in one of the most dangerous neighborhoods of Chicago's South Side, but he couldn't spend one night in the Skirvin without making rookie James Johnson end up sharing a room with him. Back in 2010, the Bulls' Taj Gibson told of an eerie experience he had during his stay. He said, At one point around 12.15 at night, my bathroom door just slammed completely shut. And he told this to ESPN. I don't know what it was, but it just completely slammed. It took me a minute to kind of figure out what it was. And then he was out. And his teammates reported hearing other odd noises throughout the night in the halls. In 2015, current Atlanta Hawks or Atlanta Hawks guard Lou Williams, then with the Lakers, checked himself out of the Skirvin in the middle of the night, booked himself into a different hotel rather than endure more of the creep show in uh, the room he was staying. Hell yeah, I believe in ghosts. Williams, then with the Toronto Raptors, told a reporter. He said that after having a strange experience involving his practice gear, somehow materialized inside a, a locked room instead of the hall on the other side of the door, he doesn't stay at the Skirvin anymore. So many players have claimed to have had haunted encounters there uh, that in January of 2019, Brooklyn Nets star point guard Kyrie Irving, Irving, formerly of the Cavaliers, announced that he was producing a feature film about all the purported paranormal activity at this hotel. He did? Mm -hmm. So we'll see if he finishes it. That's what he announced. There are several additional players who have claimed to have had paranormal encounters there. Former NBA forward Ron Artest a.k.a. Meta World Peace, when he played with the Lakers, claims that Effie's ghost touched him all over one night while he lay in bed. He acted like he liked it, too. He's, he's, <laughs> a, he's, a, he's an odd guy. Uh, the ghosts of the Skirvin Hotel haven't just limited themselves to just the players. Famed sports writer and podcaster Bill Simmons gave a chilling account of his stay back in 2010. He said he flew to Oklahoma City, watched the Thunder beat the Nets, joined some friends at a local restaurant for dinner before heading back to his room. As he was checking in, Bill jokingly asked the clerk to put him in one of the haunted floors. He was surprised when she informed him that he was already on one of the floors where guests most frequently encountered spirits. He figured she was joking. He laughed about it. And then when she laughed too, something about her laugh gave him goosebumps. Like a knowing laugh. He was creeped out by the feeling of her eyes on his back when he walked to the elevator. He got a little less spooked by the time he got to his room. But then he was so tired by the time he unpacked and showered, he'd almost entirely forgotten about the ghost stories. Something about the front, you know, and forgotten about the front desk clerk bothering him. Uh, he got ready for bed, called his wife, watched 10 minutes of Sports Center, then fell asleep. In telling the story, Bill claims that he has always been a very heavy sleeper. That he's never been the kind to wake up for no reason in the middle of the night. In fact, he's often slept through alarms. Which makes it very odd for him to wake up at 4.30 in the morning in a scurvin' a hotel room, heart pounding, feeling scared, 
Why had he woken up? What was going on? Then he heard it, ever so faintly but very distinct, the sound of a baby crying. And more unsettling, Bill felt there was something else going on. He strongly felt that he was not alone in his room. He had the overpowering sensation, sensation that someone was in the room with him. None of the lights were on. He knew as much as he knew anything else in life that this something was watching him from across the room in the shadows. Bill reached over to turn on his bedside light. When he moved for the light, he thinks that he somehow broke the piece he didn't even know he had with whatever this thing was, and now it was upset. As soon as his hand connected with the light switch, but before he actually managed to turn the light on, he heard the sound of the baby screaming much, much more urgently now, to his far left. It sounded like it was coming from right by the window. Just, wah, wah, wah. He fumbled for the switch, not able to find it. He kept fumbling, kept slipping over it, felt like he was never going to make contact with it to get the light actually on, like something was always redirecting his fingers at the last minute, the screaming still so loud in his ear. Finally, he hits it, the light goes on. When he flips the switch, instantly the crying stops. He turns on the television, jacks up the volume, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> grabs his phone, Google's Skirvin crying baby. He's amazed and horrified by what he finds. So many similar reports of encounters. So many people claiming that after they'd heard that baby, they'd also encountered Effie. Is that who was in the room with him, watching him from the shadows? That night, Simmons kept, Simmons kept all the lights and television on, spending the next four hours half asleep, half awake, scared for his life. He knew that something had been there with him. Something had been watching him. Something that the front desk clerk had also encountered. And he wasn't about to give Effie an opportunity to return and hide in the darkness again. What would you do? I Honestly, very similar to him uh, with the addition of... I, I probably would just grab all my stuff if I'm like, if I can't go back to sleep. Yeah. I'm going to go down and just wait until the lobby or go to the airport <laughs> if I can go and just wait for my flight. And just not be in the room anymore. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Couple yeah. pictures. Couple pictures. If okay. you want to see them real quick. I this, do. This is a recent pic. It's a beautiful looking hotel. This I know that a- was the problem. That, oh, I was thinking it was going to be so gorgeous because it sounded like this amazing, like more like resort with yeah. like all the amenities. Mm-hmm. Very That's nice. Beautiful. Uh, this is a pic from the early twenty early twentieth century of the Skirvin Hotel. Yeah, beautiful then. Oh man, I mean, imagine then too, just what a landmark, you know, yeah. compared to the rest of the skyline. I'm sure. And then one more. Oh, pic- I love. I just want to say, I love those old hotel signs. Yes, me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then one last pic that I just thought looked cool of the Skirvin. Uh, none of the interior pics I could find. I mean, yeah, we could do like a you know uh, lavish tour, but nothing, right. but nothing spooky. Right, right, right. So yeah, I just didn't include any of them, and, and it's all like very modern now, and you know, for the most part, there's some of the chandeliers, stuff, but like the the rooms are you know pretty modern. Pretty modern. Mm-hmm. Um, in your research, was it like so? You said something about like the tenth floor seems to be yeah, where the significant, and I couldn't find out if that's the floor where supposedly that she you know jumped from. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm assuming so, but I don't think it was written as the top floor in some sources. Well, so was the timeline fourteenth like floor? Though? Right, yeah. right. But but it was there was. Some of the floors were added on. Yeah. So I think what the situation is, I think that like it was the top floor when that happened. And then not long after that, they added more floors. Mm. And that's why she's haunting that floor, I think. Yeah. And I wonder if there's like a specific room that is more so than others. Yeah. It didn't. None of the sources mentioned a specific room, like the room that she would have been hidden in. Yeah. They just kept mentioning 10th floor. Because I'll say this. Yeah. I've never been to Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Well. That's not true. I've been to Oklahoma, but I haven't been there in a really long time. Yeah. And if we had to go to Oklahoma City and we wanted to stay at that hotel, I would just want to do a little bit of research of uh-huh. like what floor is not haunted. Oh, and stay there and then yeah. just maybe, okay. And then we could just like cool take, a, hotel. We could take a ride to the 10th floor. Ooh, yeah. I like that. And just like walk the hall during the day. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I like it. Okay. Okay. Maybe. That's a big if maybe. If we go to Oklahoma City, I mean, it's a really cool looking hotel. I'd love to stay there. Yeah. 
You don't go to Oklahoma for two years. Uh, I think I'm coming up there maybe next year. Oklahoma City. Oh, I might Bricktown? be. Bricktown? Bricktown? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay, well, maybe I'll consider going. Because I was supposed to be there before. I, I'm pretty sure I am, actually. So I think I'll, I think I'll be in Oklahoma in 2022. Yeah, well, as your road manager, mm-hmm. I <laughs> can't recall it on your routing, but okay. that doesn't mean it's not there. Okay. Because, um, yeah, I do recall, now that you mention it, you going there previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was funny that he was at Bill Simmons. He turned on all the lights and... A TV show. Yeah. Yep. When, when I have to sleep alone, if I'm feeling at all nervous, I sleep with the hall lights on, mm-hmm. and then also a night light, my my Himalayan salt light, which is like bright enough to give me comfort, but not so bright that it keeps me up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I put like some TV show on that has many, 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 many seasons, so mm. it can just like play yep, and endlessly. play and play. This past time, it was Sex in the City, just over and over. Oh, nice. Because there's a lot of seasons. Yep. A lot of episodes. Friends is a good one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good background noise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just makes you feel less alone. It's a false sense of security. But, yeah. you know, and it also gives off a little bit of light. And uh-huh. to me, then if I think I hear something, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's probably just the TV show. Right, right, like, right. I can, okay. you know. And speaking of TV shows, I know we talked about it a lot last week. Oh, yeah. But because of Oklahoma, uh-huh. I, I don't actually watch. I watch very little comedy. Like, oh. and I, and I, and you know, oh, you I, mean like stand-up yeah, or no, like, funny like sitcom, TV shows? Like funny TV shows. Yeah. I almost always gravitate towards horror and stuff, uh, which Makes people sense. find odd as a comic a lot of times. Uh, well, people who really know comics know that that's kind of <laughs> how it goes. Um, Res Dogs. Res Dogs on it's FX, and I watched it on like Hulu. Like Reservoir Dogs? Well, but it's Reservation Dogs is what they're referring to. That's right. I remember you watching this. It is so good. Season, yeah. season one uh, is, I think it just finished. I think I, I no, maybe not. No, I watched all the, ep- well, I think so. I think I watched all the episodes that have come out. I can't remember, but I, I, I was caught up as of a week ago okay. and it just, it's uh, very, very good. And there, and there's like uh, some just random, like um, Bill Burr mm-hmm. is in it for an episode. And that then, seems fitting. Mm-hmm, and and uh, Bobby, Bobby Lee, uh-huh. just some funny comics that are in it. But, but also. How come you're not on it? I don't I never, we had the time. I'm just kidding. I know. Why, uh, why, why didn't they contact me? Oh. <laughs> it's strange. They haven't called you. You don't live in L.A. And, like, you know, yeah. you don't have a big acting career. But aye, aye, aye. strange that they haven't called. Mm-hmm. You know? It's weird. Yeah. They're snubbing you, really. I know. I should be furious. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll stop watching it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Speaking of TV shows that's just popped in my brain, I heard that they're currently filming the next season of Yellowstone. Ooh, nice. And I think that that's going to be it. Mm, okay. I, I read, wrap I read, everything up yep I read a something something that was like and that will be the end of it well good I love that show but but sometimes they drag on too long and then you're like oh man yeah, yeah. well that show has a feeling of like it could become monotonous mm-hmm. of just like yep we get it fucking John Dutton doesn't want to give up his ranch <laughs> we get it yes yeah agreed so that's that alright well that's what I have for you well as as we're recording this mm-hmm. the books are at our house oh yeah for signatures some books, well, the, all the rest of the pre-orders have mm-hmm. gone to the warehouses, the distribution centers all over the country. Yeah. So some people have their book too. Some people, well, by the time you hear this. By the time you hear it, you should have it. You should have it. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you don't have it, let us know because yep. they're all going to ship out this week. Woohoo. Woohoo. And yeah, just thanks again for supporting us on that project. Mm-hmm. It was so fun to do it last year as an experiment, really. Mm-hmm. And then this year to feel so much more confident, like know what we were doing and We've, we're even changing some things internally for next year, and I hope that it continues to just always get better and better. Yeah, and, yeah and it's, it's a, a very pretty book. It's very pretty, and it's something like just 
that I'm super proud of. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a great, great thing. So thanks for letting us do that for you. Yay. Yay. Okay. So my first story and is. Good job, Logan, with all the designs. Oh my God. He's like annoyingly talented. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So my, f- oh, what squishy do you have? Uh, I have uh, Dracula. Oh, that's like perfect for Halloween month. Yeah. That's pretty cute. Do um do you remember the count from um Sesame Street? Oh yeah. Have I ever told this story here? When I lived One with- Okay. Yeah. Ah ah ah. Okay. So wait, this is so mm. great. So when I lived with Natasha, my like my, my longest oldest bestest friend, yeah. She would do exactly that. <laughs> yeah. And one day, I think was it my birthday, she flung my bedroom door open and started doing that to wake me up and Hilarious. I believe that she counted to like 22. Oh my god, to get Just- you up. Going and going. One and sleepy Lulu. Ah, 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 ah. Two sleepy Lulu. Ah, 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 ah. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine her doing that too? Because she's so funny and uh-huh. she has like a slightly deeper voice. Yeah. Ah, so great. All right. Well, anyways, um, settle in for a nice long story. Uh, it's it's peculiar. You know, it's it happens over the course of a lifetime and it's still going on today. And it's just something that I feel like is going to have that linger effect okay. that we that we discuss. And we're back to Vermont. Nice. Okay, the attachment from the greenhouse. Good time of year to be in Vermont. Yeah. Oh, it's Pre- beautiful in the fall. Have you been to Vermont? Mm-hmm. I've been to all the states. Oh yeah, of course you have. Uh, but, it, but I've Where been to Vermont, Vermont in the fall. Uh, Montpelier and uh, and some other little college towns whose names escape me now. But, but just but I had to like drive some little like state highways and things to get yeah. to some places. And yeah. so just going over those mountains uh-huh. and just like this time of year with all the hardwoods and the oh, leaves I changing. It's so pretty. It's, yeah, it's like a postcard. All the hardwoods. What does that mean? Uh, deciduous Sorry. trees instead of pine trees. You know, like instead of needles, they, their leaves fall. So like maples, oh, oaks. Those hardwoods. are called hard, hardwoods? Mm-hmm. That's a, one phrase for them. Just kind huh. of lump them all together. Okay. Now this is like a weird question. I don't even know if you'll know the answer of it. Yeah. But is that where we get the term hardwood floors? Uh, might be. It might be. That's. I mean, the generally, I think what they've kind of used in that, I, and I don't know. You, you, you yeah, never, like maple, you, oak. Mm-hmm, you never yeah. hear anybody say softwood. No, because what would be a softwood? Pine I don't needles? Even know. Like pine, pine, pine trees? I don't know, because they use pine in like two by fours and stuff. They will use pine in like lumber. So, But, but you don't, but you don't have pine floors. I don't think generally you will have furniture made out of pine. Yes, but I'm just talking floors because you don't say, oh, you don't say I have this hardwood chair. You say I have hardwood floors. Yeah, so probably probably is. Interesting. (gasps) Yeah. I love when I like discover little things like that because, you know, everything comes from something. Yeah, yeah. Some people are very into origins, and mm-hmm. it just makes me happy. I yeah, feel but, I feel but, smarter. But their mountains are covered by you know less, much less pine mm-hmm. out here, and much more of those. And I don't know what, if, which ones they are. If they're maple, maybe or right. oak, or what, well, which ones they are. But they, yeah. they're just their leaves fall and they change color, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, growing up in Ohio, yeah, I mean, it was very much that kind of stuff. Oh, like yeah. not so much pine. Yep. Way more maple leaves. All all of the yeah. things. Yeah. This should, I'm going to tell my story in a second. I just got this funny meme in my inbox. <laughs> it was something like, uh, something about working Ohio into every story. Funny. Like, do I do ah, that? funny. Do I do that? Ohio's great. Ohio's for lovers. <laughs> ah, okay, here we go. The attachment from the greenhouse. Since childhood, I've had the distinct impression that I'm never truly alone. I have always had ghostly experiences in every house or place I've ever stayed. That being said, I'm not sure if I'm the one finding the paranormal in each of these locations or if it's following or finding me. I saw an entity yesterday that I believe has become attached to me. I'd love to know what y'all think. 
I'll, I'll start as far back as I can go. My childhood home was a green brick house in a relatively populated city in Vermont. The house was two store. Uh, I'm sorry. The house is 250 years old and started as a paper mill in its earliest years. It had old architecture, a spiralized staircase, huge hudges, and creaky original hardwood floors. As a child living in the house, I was scared almost constantly, thinking I saw, felt, or heard ghosts wherever I went. The earliest experience I had in that house is actually not one I remember, but my mom told me about it a year ago at a Mexican restaurant of all places. According to her, when I was about six years old, for a week straight, I came into her bedroom at about 1 a.m. complaining about a man in my closet. When she asked me more about the man, she was surprised that I wasn't frightened by his presence. I calmly described to her an older man sitting on a storage cube in my closet and said Mm. he had tried to talk to me. My mother didn't remember the details of what he said to me, but she remembers my descriptions of the man matching the previous owner of the home perfectly. That man had passed away about a year after selling us the house, and I had never, ever met him. There were no pictures of him anywhere in the house, and at this time, Google didn't exist, nor was I old enough to want to or know how to research any previous owners. Mm -hmm. My mom moved my bedroom into the other spare bedroom after that, and I didn't complain about seeing the man anymore. As I got older, my love for horror grew. One of the first movies I remember watching was Disney's The Haunted Mansion, which which spiraled into an interest in the supernatural. As this interest grew, so did the amount of paranormal experiences I had in the Vermont house. My father always reassured me that I was not truly having paranormal experiences, but rather it was my love of horror causing my imagination to run wild. Despite his reassurances, I went ahead and named the ghost. I thought, named the ghost I thought was in my playroom, believing it was real. She became Mary in my mind. I was able to place a yoga exercise ball in the middle of my playroom and tell Mary which direction to move it. The ball would go from being completely still to moving in whichever direction I told it to. I showed my mother my trick, to which she responded, cool and left me to do my own thing. I thought at the time that she wasn't impressed, but looking back, I think it's safe to say she was a bit spooked. I never felt threatened by Mary, though, but that is not true of the ghost or entity I felt in my new bedroom. This bedroom is the room I got my first concrete evidence of the paranormal. For some background, I was always irrationally scared of my closet in this room. Every kid is scared of their closet, but I had a crippling fear. I wouldn't sleep if it was open, and sometimes I would randomly get what I now know are panic attacks just from looking at it while open. I'd run away during these panic attacks and sit on the bathroom floor shaking like I was freezing cold until my mom found me, showed me nothing was in my closet, and then closed it for me. My dad, being a good sport and undoubtedly having had enough of these panic attacks, put a lock on the closet door and also put a cowbell at the top so I could hear it when it opened. One day, I was with a childhood friend in this new bedroom. The door was locked on this day, and the windows were all closed. We were conducting a ghost hunt, like we (laughs) always did when she came over to my house. We used our iPod touches to record any EVPs, like the cool ghost hunters did on the Travel Channel shows. In the middle of one of our usual sessions, I got a strange feeling. This feeling has followed me on and off ever since. I can only describe it as the feeling you get in your chest when you swallow something carbonated too quickly. It's a tightness in your chest that seems to be impossibly sharp. Feeling slightly alarmed, I remember timidly asking whatever was in that room to, quote, give us a sign. 
while holding my chest with one hand. At this, the cowbell over my closet started ringing. And when I say ringing, I mean ringing. It swung back and forth with a force that could not have been caused by any draft of wind. It was like someone had hit it and hard. My friend looked at me, screamed, and dipped out. She ran all the way into the kitchen, choosing flight of the fight or flight. I chose the third option, which is freeze and cry. My mom found me, staring at the door, sobbing my eyes out after seeing that I wasn't with my friend. This more malevolent presence continued to make itself known in my bedroom. I had a dresser, which held all of my clothes in this room, and one day, I found my cat closed in the bottom drawer. This unnerved me, because this dresser was an antique, wooden, and incredibly large piece of furniture given to me by my parents when I outgrew my other dresser. The wood was heavy and sticky, and it took a lot of force to open and close the drawers. They didn't have those roll uh, roll casters like modern dressers do. At this point, I asked to switch rooms back to the old bedroom, and my mother obliged. Back in this room, I never had any other experiences besides, as usual, feeling as though I was never alone. I wonder if the old man was protecting me from whoever or whatever was in the other room. And if so, this protection went away went away with me for my freshman year when we sorry, if so, this protection went away for when my freshman year we moved in with my grandma in her new house in New Hampshire as she had been recently diagnosed with cancer. Coincidentally and just to my luck, I got the bedroom that my grandma used to sleep in with my grandpa. It was the bedroom he had died in. That alone was enough to freak me out. What happened over the years in that room was enough to terrify me. Living in this house was when the more concerning activity ramped up. I felt the same presence with me, oddly. It was like it never left the house in Vermont. But at this point, I was now having nightmares. These followed me all throughout high school, and I have these nightmares to this day. I can never remember what they are about, though. All I I remember is waking up, jolting upright, and frantically trying to find a figure in the darkness. It's like I'm expecting to find something. I always look in the same place the most intensely with the most intensity, which is between the right side of my bed frame and the wall. I wake up other times and see clothes floating. This seems like a terrible B-movie horror trope, I know. But I'm messy, and sometimes I leave my jackets on the floor instead of hanging them up. Sometimes I wake up to see them floating an inch or two off the floor, just barely noticeable, but then I see them drop down to the floor once again. I also find things misplaced. I'll place my hairbrush down in one place and find it under my pillow. I put my keys on my desk and then find them under my bed. This is more annoying than scary, as I'm always running late and these dang ghosts don't help that habit. The presence responsible for this followed me to college, seemingly. In college, too, the footsteps I heard in both my Vermont home and my New Hampshire home came with me. My roommates even jokingly complained to me that my demons came with me, packed in the pocket of my backpack. One of them complained of having similar nightmares that I have in my house in New Hampshire. I didn't tell her about that beforehand, though, and I don't think I will either now. I don't want to freak her out. She's very religious and scares easily. And what's the point if she isn't experiencing them anymore? They're all mine. The most alarming activity, though, has taken place in the last month. I'm home from college until September, so I'm back in my room in New Hampshire. I've felt more outright threatened by the presence in this room in the last month. It all came to a head in the last two weeks. I woke up about two weeks ago to find my lights on, my covers on the floor, and my Snapchat open on my phone, 
with a picture of the corner of my pillow taken on it. Mm. This unnerved me. I have never had a history of sleepwalking, and I had remembered falling asleep with the lights off and the covers up around my neck, which is the only way I have ever slept. I had no memory of turning my phone on or turning any of the lights on, let alone taking my covers off of me or kicking them away. I slept in the living room for a few days after that. Determined not to let this stupid ghost chase me out of my comfy queen-size bed, I tried to reclaim my room. I took the approach of, if you don't acknowledge it, it's not there. This did not work. I woke up a week later with bruises all over my left leg. I was freaked out by this as I do not generally bruise easily. I can count on one hand the amount of times in my life I've had dark bruising like that. There were three lines of bruising spanning diagonally on the back of my calf and one that wrapped around to the front, almost like rods had been hit against my leg. And lastly, yesterday, an incident happened that made me write this story and send it into you. I woke, from a, woke up from a nightmare like usual, jolting upright and searching the room. When I looked to the usual spot between the right side of my bed and the wall, I found something there. The familiar feeling I got in that old bedroom in Vermont came back, but this time was incredibly sharp in my chest, more so than normal. I felt my breath being pulled away from me. I saw what can only be described as a mass of floating brown sand. It was partially see-through and was moving. At this point, a strange sense of calm washed over me. My eyes watered and I was entranced. I laid back down on my side and stared at it. I don't remember falling asleep again, but I woke up the next morning at my usual time. I woke up with my lights on, my covers on the floor, and again, my phone on. No picture, but my phone was on my Snapchat with the black screen of the camera open. This experience made me wonder if a presence in my old house became attached to me and followed me from Vermont to New Hampshire and maybe even to college. The feeling I got during that ghost hunt has followed me into every place I've stayed for longer than a few days. It comes during the times when I feel like I am not alone when I sit down in bed and prepare to sleep. I recently learned from my mother that the old green brick Vermont house was at one point a nursing home. I find myself wondering if one of the ghosts of these residents who died in the house became attached to me when I was a child. However, some of the events that happened to me make me question it. Could a ghost really make me turn my phone on, make me flip on my lights, and make me not remember doing any of it? Would it give me bruises? Would it be toying with me this much? Or are my friends right, and this is something worse, something non-human? I suppose only time can tell. Thanks for reading, and hope you all have a great summer. Caitlin. Thanks, Caitlin. The bruises, the bruises is weird, like what she talks about, like uh, doesn't bruise easily. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you weren't really a bruiser, you know, like somebody <laughs> bruiser. Or, cruising for a bruiser, cruising for a bruising. If you weren't somebody who, you know, bruises tend to show up on and then all of a sudden you uh, wake up with like several very distinct bruises and you don't right. remember, and you don't remember like hitting yourself or getting hit at all, like the day before, the day before that. And Wait, you if you're not a nightmares. klutzy person. Yeah, I mean, that would be, I mean, that is something that shows up in a lot of like demonic possession mm-hmm. uh, claims mm-hmm. is mysterious bruising, like uh, some kind of a uh, psychic attack, paranormal attack. Yeah. I like the, I like the long, slow build. I mean, not for you, Caitlin, sorry about your bad luck, but it's interesting to me that it's been going on and just like, it feels like it's slowly building building, mm-hmm. building. But it also feels like there could be something, like maybe more than one thing going on here. Right. Because in some instances, I felt like she was protected and like she was safe mm-hmm. and like something was kind of looking out for her. And then in other instances, I'm very scared for her. Like Mary. Yeah. Mary seems playful. She yeah. seemed, yeah. you know, like... Also, if you are in a room and you can make a yoga ball move, 
right. without touching it, I, that would be enough for me. I would be fucking done there. Yeah. But yeah. she seems kind of calm about it. I, I just mm-hmm. don't know. Like, Caitlin, are you freaked out? Are you not freaked out? Are you sometimes freaked out? Mm-hmm. Like, do you think it could be more than one thing? Was it this one thing and you let it in? Like, there's always that theory that, like, yeah. the happy, kinder ghost Mary is not actually happy or kind, but it's a trick to get you to right. accept it, acknowledge it, let it in. Mm-hmm. And now it's really showing its true self. Some manipulative entity that's, yeah. I think of the conjuring that we just watched. What were the Ed and Lorraine Warren three steps? Like uh, infestation, oppression, possession. Mm-hmm. And then that whole thing with like the little Annabelle kind of uh, at the oh. very beginning of the movie when they're just talking about how like it tricked you. Yeah. And uh, there, there is no little girl. Mm-hmm. Yeek. Ichiwawa. Ichiwawa. <laughs> um, do you feel like you have time for one more? Yes. Okay. Okay. So now. In the last episode, we talked about the incident at our house that is still, mm-hmm. you know, like. Anyways, I was trying to figure out, like, if something I had read in 109 and 110, because I was prepping the episodes side by side, did I somehow accidentally bring something out? Like, Mm. you know, like, as you're reading these stories, because, again, I mean, we all know this if you've been listening for a while. I try not to work on the stories at home. I try to keep this energy out of our house. I think it's really important to have a sacred space that doesn't Mm -hmm. feel invaded. But sometimes, like, listen, sometimes I have to work from home. And... So I was like, okay, thinking about it, like 109, like what did we talk about? Was there something there? Like, and then as I was working on 110, my computer started to glitch like crazy. Like oh, weird. it was doing weird things where like I would try and scroll and it wouldn't move. And then it would like go really, really fast, like crazy yeah, all yeah, over yeah. the place, which could just be weird delay or something, mm-hmm. but also odd timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, okay. And then I, so I was thinking about these two in 110 in particular, because I'm like, oh, is it one of these stories? So, I don't know. I, and the reason I thought about that is because in this second story, the person stays so calm when they see something. Okay. And I'm like, okay, I hear what I think is breathing behind my refrigerator, and I'm in, like, fucking, yeah. I'm crying. So, I don't I, I don't understand how you could stay so calm. I hope it's not the thing from last last week. We simply must be going now. <sighs> Whatever that was. Let's hope that thing, we're not bringing that thing into the... Well, I, didn't, I couldn't have because I didn't know about didn't that, know about and it. I didn't prep it in the house. Like, I wasn't... Okay, good. Giving energy good. to so it. So it's not that. Yeah. It's not Anna. God, I hope not. Maybe, unless she's attached to you and you brought her home. But you haven't like gone anywhere to visit her. True. <laughs> so I think we're okay. All right. Here we go. Hey, Dan and Lindsay. I'm in love with the podcast and a longtime fan of Dan's stand-up. Thank you. I've been listening to the podcast nonstop since I found it a month ago, and I knew I had to share the story of my own haunted house. For short backstory, I've always felt connected and sensitive to things that I couldn't see but could feel. As I got older, my mom told me that several family members were also sensitive to energy shifts and presences. I remember feeling things as a young child but never saw anything or experienced much else. Not until I moved into the house I currently live in. I've I've been in my current house for about six years. Up until two years ago, I felt only shifts in energy or a sense of being watched. My room is on one side of the upper level in my house. My parents' bedroom is on the other side of the house, along with my younger brother's room. I rarely step foot on that side of the second floor. My parents' room has always made me uneasy. I've sensed a spirit in there since day one. My younger brother, five at the time we moved in, was scared to sleep in his room for the first few months we lived there. He said he had seen a man, covered in blood, standing over his bed. Well, this may have just been his imagination, I wouldn't cross it off the list of possibilities. About two years ago, the activity in the house started getting more intense. I was home alone one day on the second floor. 
I was walking from my room to the bathroom when all of a sudden I saw something at the bottom of the stairs. I turned to look at it and clear as day I was staring directly at a shadow figure in broad daylight. He walked past the staircase and continued into the other room. Naturally, I was freaked out. I had looked directly at it. There was no way I had just imagined it. But I walked downstairs and looked around. It was gone. The doors were all locked and no one had come home yet. This entity, however, didn't seem to really scare me other than the shock of actually seeing it. I believe this is the spirit I have felt all along. This is the first spirit I believe that lives in my house. It is a negative masculine energy. His presence makes me uneasy, but he seems to just watch me while I go about my business in the house. Although the energy is negative, he hasn't done anything to actually harm me. Other than waking up with a few scratches and unexplained bruises every now and again, he generally leaves me alone. The other entity in my house is much more interactive. This entity gives off feminine energy, but is neither bad nor good. She just seems to want my attention. One day, shortly after I'd seen the shadowy figure, I was in the shower, when all of a sudden, the shower curtain was quickly jerked, but was also hit with a great force. It looked like and sounded like someone had punched the shower curtain. Like a moron, I quickly pulled back the shower curtain to see what had caused it, and there was nothing. There was nothing on the floor that could have fallen, and the door was locked. Needless to say, I sped up and got the hell out of the bathroom. I grabbed all my stuff and carried it back to my room, and my bedroom door was open as I walked to the corner of my room to set my clothes down in the laundry basket. As I turned around to start walking towards the door and close it, it slammed shut. Again, I have been looking directly at it. No one was home and no windows were open. And even if they were, my door is super heavy. No wind could slam it shut like that. I didn't feel unsafe, so I simply laughed it off and blamed the female entity since she seems to want attention. And now for the crystal aspect of the story. I have a bunch of crystals and I keep them mainly in my room because my parents don't believe in them. I don't place any crystals on my bedside table, but every now and then I wake up to one of the crystals placed nicely on my bedside table. No one really knows where I keep my crystals, nor does anyone enter my room while I sleep as I keep the door locked. Typically, it's a quartz or a rose quartz. I find it comforting, almost like a little gift, as if the entity knows which crystal I need at that moment (laughs) in my life. My mom feels the entities too, but doesn't like to talk about them. I think that they're spirits of two decades of two deceased family members. I have an uncle who sadly passed away after taking his own life. I believe the cause of his death is why the male entity feels negative, but is harmless. The female entity, I believe, is my grandmother who passed away from health issues. She was a sweet woman who definitely had a sassy side, which would explain why she acts up more when I come home from trips. Almost like she missed me and needs some extra attention paid to her. Even when activity is low, I still feel their presences. Even when I see and hear and experience these things, I never feel frightened. It's more shocking and a reaction of being caught off guard. I frequently cleanse my room and recite a prayer for protection, just in case. This is probably why I never feel the negative energy in my room, but my parents hate the smell of incense and sage being burned, so I have to sneak around to cleanse the rest of the house. Thanks for taking the time to read my story. We'll see if any more spooky activity picks up. Keep up the amazing work. Yeah, she was uh yeah, very calm with all that, especially like like the shower curtain, like the I mean, well, a couple things, like the scratches. Yeah, like ah. and, the, and the bruises like, ah, it doesn't hurt me too bad. You know, it doesn't seem I that know. malevolent. It's like, yeah, sometimes it scratches and bruises me. And then the and then the shower curtain thing, if like that's such a vulnerable place, uh, to be naked in the shower and then to right. have something like punch the shower curtain. Which like we've done to locked. each other, right? Sure. It's so funny. 
<laughs> but the door, but if the door is locked and you open, there's no one there. Man, I I wouldn't stay calm. No way. I'd be freaked. Well, and, and she did say she left quick. But yeah, still but after not, that, I'd be freaked out. She doesn't seem super scared. She just seems like, well, it's my uncle. It's my and, and maybe that's how she feels. Like it's my uncle. <laughs> it's my grandma. It's people I know, yeah. so to speak. So even, like eh, even it's creepier fine. to have the uncle in the shower. Oh man, well he wasn't in the shower. <laughs> he was just yeah. I don't know. I don't know if ghosts see naked bodies. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what who, they see. Who knows? Who I knows? Know. But uh, good for her for staying so calm. I know. I'm like, how? Like, what? You just you're just chilling with these ghosts. Like, oh no, it's fine. It's cool. I'm like, oh, well, this one's playful. She just wants my attention. Maybe that's the best attitude to have in that situation. Well, then I, did I maybe do the wrong thing with refrigerator ghost? No, because you got rid of it, it seems like. Okay, now I did play that for Joe Paisley. Joe, you can weigh in. And he was like, oh, he's like, well, maybe it's like, sounds like an air compressor maybe. But mm-hmm. like, do refrigerators have air compressors? I don't think so. I, yeah, again, I just don't know enough about refrigerator. I'm not a, fr- I'm not a refrigerator consultant. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's very, very bizarre. It does keep sound. Fil- keep filming it. It is weird that it went away. Yeah. That's the, I so know. let's just see if you hear it again. Yeah. But it did. It was like a. Yeah. Like I yeah. heard like a quick breath in and then not really out. It was oh, like, it was interesting. Like, you know, it just kind of oh. stopped like a, which did remind me of a pressure. Like it, it's pulling it in the pulling air in and yeah. then pushing it. That okay. Poor, that poor little raccoon. You heard his last breath. Oh, it's just like, it just wanted you to pull that fridge a little bit out. <laughs> the raccoon that was in the wall was allergic <laughs> to sage and salt and you just snuffed it out. <laughs> Well, then nice. I did my job. <laughs> ah, well, I think I'd like to go first today for the Annabelle shout outs, okay. if that's okay. Yeah. I would like to thank the following Annabelles for supporting the show and making our donations possible. Allie Reed, Matthew, ba- Matthew A. Bailey, Amy McGarry, Gabriella Sanchez, Selena M., Brandy Ray, Carly Fountain, Echo Brown, Angel Cresswell, May May, Dan Driscoll, Stacy. So, oh man, so Sinky, Alex Graff, Ned Burneth, Justin Hawkins, Den- Jennifer Tache, Tashi, Desiree Johnson, Daniel Toby Gonzalez, Tom Dovrak. Oh boy, I meant to give you this one. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, you are very clearly Greek. Uh, Panayotis Stavrinos. Okay. I'm sorry if I butchered that. That's a tough one. Greek is tough. Greek is tough. Mm hmm. Ben Bailey, Dana Rudder, Jacob Elijah, M.N., Chris King, and Daniel Moran. Nice. Thank all of you. Uh, thanks to the following Annabelle's Mrs. T. Boz. Uh, longtime uh, Time Suck listener, Cody Beretta. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicole Meyer, Carly Osborne, Campbell Mann, Deja, Ben George, Luisa Grizales, Maria Jensen, Ray- Rayleigh Carter, uh, Celeste Rodriguez, Debbie Engen, Bree Cody, Gerald Pino, The Philbins, Chris Lamontagne, uh, Micah Miller, Aaron Ingram, Izzy, Kiara Schaefer, or Chiara Schaefer, uh, Spencer Thomas, Brian Crusher, Catherine Branning, Rachel Tarrant, uh, Mary Rose WW, and Garrett Potts. I want my last name to be Crusher. Crusher, yeah. That's a fucking strong, (laughs) badass name. Brian Crusher. Fuck yeah, Brian. Oh my God. That's a great uh, uh, law enforcement officer name. Officer Crusher. 
You're terrified. Or military, Lieutenant Crusher. Fuck yeah. Sergeant Crusher. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to say, like, uh, wrestler. Like, the uh, Crusher. Yeah, the Crusher. Yeah. yeah that's a great, oh, great. Yeah, powerful. Also, when you were doing the La Montaigne person, Chris. That, you thought of Ray La Montaigne? I was like, and then I immediately. Thank you, thank you guys for coming out. That's the thing. He's such an amazing, talented artist. He mm-hmm. is a dud of a performer. But mm-hmm. I think that you've said that he's like very shy or something. Yeah, very introverted. Uh, I'm just like, do you, do you enjoy touring on any I know, level? I'm I like, know. Is this just for the money? Like, uh, He just seems so visibly uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, we watched him in Spokane uh, a while ago. And he just, yeah, Joe was there too. <sighs> and Aaron. And, and the, he just came out. And like, I, he didn't even address the audience for the longest time. It was like it was like he was just um, some, other, some other place. It was just yeah. so weird not to even take two sentences. And like, be like, hey, hey guys, guys, hey, thanks for coming out. Thank you, Spokane. Just so many songs. That, and, then, and then when he would address the crowd, it was so whispery and timid. Like, thank you, thank you guys for coming out. Thank, thank you. I, I don't know if I'm talented or not. I'm scared to be here. I oh, appreciate it. And then like another yeah. great song. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it, and more interesting to me is that like mm-hmm. his singing voice is so strong. Oh, it's great. He's not like, I mean, he sounds exactly... Mm-hmm. Exactly you, the same. T- same to the point that you could have just played a record right. from the stage and it would have been the same show. <laughs> <laughs> same amount of interaction. Right. I, I remember like people were sitting and we were like up top oh, in yeah. a balcony. People they were like trying to like interact yeah, with like we love you, Ray. And eventually Nothing. we were all like, All right, girls, you are at the wrong show. Yeah, stop. Read the fucking room. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like it. Ugh, I wish I would have been super stoned because it would have been fucking great. <laughs> uh that is our show for this week. Thank Sir? you. Sir. Oh, Oh, Spoopy. You haven't done your Spoopies. I'm sorry. How I thought he? we got distracted by LaMontagne and I, th- I forgot you hadn't done your Spoopy shout outs. Chris, tell your brother that he almost ruined this show. Yikes. To Alyssa from Chris. Happy okay. birthday. To Connie from your son-in-law, Peyton. He wants, to, wants you to know he thinks you're an amazing hospice nurse and you're a rock star even during COVID, which like literally makes my eyes water because I yeah. can't. I can't imagine being in healthcare right now. I don't give a fuck what you think about vaccines or not. It's like it's a really tough time to be mm-hmm. in healthcare. Mm-hmm. And then a hospice nurse is a particularly <gasps> yeah. tough kind of nursing thing because it takes a very special soul and put those two together and just like, well, Connie, I think you're a fucking badass too. Uh, to Sarah Bug from your mom, Kate, happy belated birthday from your slacker mom. To Drew from Dylan, happy anniversary. And to Alex from Josh, happy belated birthday. Aw. Uh, and that is our show for real this time. <laughs> uh, thanks you, thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com email us for everything else info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com thank you to Logan Keith Liz Hernandez for their work on social media and to Logan again for running badmagicmerch.com thanks to Joe Paisley for producing and directing today's show Zach Cohen for constantly creating custom sound beds uh, Heather Rylander for organizing the my story emails thanks to producer Sophie Evans for finding all three of today's tales and if you don't want, or, or of mine, if you don't want to hear more ads, if you want monthly bonus episodes, help donate to our charities, uh, access to TLA watch parties and more, check out our Patreon. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. Bye, guys. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but has no home here within scared to death. Bad Magic Productions. 